Miracy. A consulting business, the approach to marketing is going to be very different than if you're just selling courses or you're selling to consumers. That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand or don't see. They look at people on social media or just online and they go, yeah, this person is extremely successful making millions of dollars selling X, but that doesn't translate well to selling to the CEO or a CFO or a senior executive. Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success. But as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we delve into how to explode a consulting business. Even if you don't consider yourself a full-fledged, traditional consultant, I recommend listening to this episode as there's a whole lot of good stuff for you if your business focuses on a specific area of expertise and or you're looking to work with companies. Our guest is Michael Zapersky, who spent nearly a quarter of a century building consulting businesses around the world, including his own. Michael is the CEO of Consulting Success, where he's helped more than 800 consultants in over 75 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. Welcome to Michael, and now let's jump right into the conversation. One thing that I've always leaned heavily into is relationships. I don't know if I've ever necessarily thought of ourselves blowing up, but I think where we reached a point where we went like, wow, there's something magical is happening here is when investment in those relationships started to pay off. And all of a sudden, I would find myself sitting down with the president of a multi-billion dollar organization. And that didn't happen just once. It would happen several times. And that's why mm-hmm. we're such big believers in the power of relationships. When you had those experiences of blowing up, that magical understanding of, wow, something is working. What changed? What changed in your personal life? What did you do the moment you had that realization? Like, can you draw us into your life a little bit with that? I certainly didn't go out and and, and buy a bunch of fancy things. I remember writing down on a piece of paper, this was many years ago, but I wanted to achieve $10,000 a month in income and consistently, and I wanted to be able to take out like a family member or a friend for dinner, lunch, like just any time without even thinking, like just order anything. Just like for me, that is, that is the most important thing is spending time with loved ones and having a meal together. And I remember when that happened, it was just such a beautiful thing. It's like, yeah, let's just go out here. And it's just not that every place that, we, that you need to go to has to be a fancy place, but just being able to not think about from a budget perspective. So yeah, I mean, some things have changed in terms of investments or maybe staying at nicer places here or there. But ultimately, what's most important for me is uh, just being able to create more of those memories and experiences with with people that I love. I know you said that you have run your business in other countries. Have you also just sort of traveled and run your business? Prior to COVID, we were spending about five months of the year 
outside of Vancouver. So we spent a bunch of time in Spain. We spent some time in Israel. We spent time in Mexico. We took the family to Australia. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about having a business that is online. It's also one of the reasons why we really wanted to build a business that didn't rely on one person, but had a team in place, had systems, had processes so that I can be wherever and just know that not only is the business still humming along, but even more important that we know that our clients are being taken care of. And it means that when you're in a place like Australia, you don't have to stay up till three in the morning or Correct. get up yeah. at four, five in the morning to deliver your programs. Yes, but I did do that kind of stuff many times in the past. I remember being in Barcelona and taking calls late at night to work with clients in North America. My wife and at that time, one daughter were fast asleep and I was working. But when I finished, I was able to go out and have a, a beer and some food in the streets of Barcelona and come back and spend the next morning with them. It was fantastic. Yeah, I love that. I love working with my business all around the world too. Yeah. The place that I'm sure our listeners would really most like to start is because I'm sure a lot of them are interested in starting their consulting business. They have some expertise. They see it as a potential next step. So what do they need to have in place so that they can actually build this with a chance of it being successful? Yeah. So there's four pillars to building a successful consulting business that we take our clients through. The first is what we call ideal client clarity. So that's all about getting very clear about who your actual ideal client is. And this is probably one of the most challenging steps that someone goes through because you have to say no to a lot of things that you could say yes to, right? So you, you come from this background of maybe working with many different types of organizations, different industries, you've done a lot of different things. And here you need to say, okay, I'm not going to try and be all things to all people. I want to get very clear about who can I best serve? What does that person look like? And the more narrow and specific that you can be initially, the more traction you're going to see as you take those early first few steps. Once you're clear on exactly who your ideal client is, then it's about developing that magnetic message that gets their attention that really is going to get them to say, yeah, tell me more about that, Ari. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And these two have to go together. Right? You can't develop an effective message if you don't know whose attention you actually want to get. It's so interesting, Michael. Just about every single interview that we're doing, everybody comes to the same bottom line conclusion, which is the absolute truth of it. You have to know your audience. Yes. When somebody hears that, they say, well, yeah, but I look at a company like Stripe. Stripe is a payment processor. You go to their website and they say they work with everybody from startups to billion dollar organizations, all industries, like they are payments for everyone. So it's very easy for somebody who doesn't have experience doing this to think to themselves, well, why can't I do that? The mistake is that you're looking at when people are already successful. They've already got to a place where they've been able to prove and validate and then invest more resources and build infrastructure and hire teams. But if you go back in time and look at Stripe's website when they first launched, they were payment processors for developers. They focused very specifically on developers because that was their way to kind of get a hook into the marketplace. So that's the first two, ideal client clarity, magnetic messaging. The third is what we call strategic offers. And it's about how do you take all of your years of experience and expertise and your skill set, everything that you can do, how do you actually make some decisions around that on how to package, position, and place value on and price your expertise or your services? You want to think not only about what will the marketplace want? That's also important. But you also want to think, well, how do you want to deliver that expertise, right? Do you want to travel the world and deliver it? Do you want to have an online business? Do you want to have a productized service or a custom service? Do you want to be a solo consultant or do you want to build a team? 
there's different business models that consultants use. So you want to think about which one is the right one for you, which one is the one that's going to fit best with who your ideal clients are and what they mm-hmm. likely desire. And then the fourth pillar is what we call the marketing engine. And that's all about how do you actually get in front of your ideal clients consistently. And a consulting business, the approach to marketing is going to be very different than if you're just selling courses or you're selling to consumers. That's one thing that a lot of people don't understand or don't see. They look at people on social media or just online and they go, yeah, this person is extremely successful making millions of dollars selling X, but that doesn't translate well to selling to the CEO or a CFO or a senior executive. Ultimately, it's about developing relationships and providing value and showing up consistently and having unique insights and ideas that you can put in front of actual decision makers that start to value your expertise, your opinion, and you build a relationship off of that. Once that foundation is in place, then you can build a lot more on top of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that within each of those pillars, whatever they land on at first does not necessarily need to be what they always keep on doing. Totally. I mean, if, if I look at clients that we're still working with today, you know, five or six years later, who their ideal client is right now, what they're saying on their website, what their website looks like, in many cases has changed multiple times. And maybe you started off and you were offering X or you were working with a certain type of client and here you are today and you don't want to do that anymore. Or what we also see with many clients is as they continue running their business, they start to understand that they actually enjoy working with certain clients a lot more than others. Or they start to see, if they run an an analysis on this, that certain projects or certain types of clients are significantly more profitable than others. So something I'm wondering about is, is there a minimum level of experience? Is there a minimum of what a person needs in order to be able to build a consulting business? You need to be able to leave a client better off than when you first met them. Consulting is not about your gender or your age or where you live in the world or what school you come from or how many acronyms or certifications you have, they can potentially help you in one way or another. But ultimately what matters most is can you create results? And if you can create results for a client and you leave them off better than when you first showed up there, you have the ingredients to become a successful consultant. I have a feeling that some coaches actually are consulting and Possibly some consultants are actually coaching. Can you describe the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, so I would actually say that most consultants also coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some coaches consult. Some coaches simply coach by asking questions to their client. Um, And they will not provide a recommendation. They'll simply ask questions. That can be a very powerful way of coaching. Others uh, will ask questions, but then they will also give a recommendation. But for many consultants, they will come into working with an organization and they might have come in to do some kind of an an audit or an analysis of a situation to provide some strategic recommendations, maybe even to support the implementation of those recommendations, some cases to actually do the implementation themselves. But then what happens quite often is that when those, either during the process of implementation or afterwards, the organization will say, Hey, you know, can you help us to, to essentially coach or to train our people on this? When someone is building their consulting business, what can they expect from it? Can they expect to reach $10,000 monthly within six months? Is it a slower build? What do generally people see as they start this journey? There's just so many variables that it would be irresponsible of me to say, like, I can tell you that we have many clients that we've worked with that have gone from just getting started like zero consulting income 
but a lot of experience in whatever their industry or area is. And, you know, within eight weeks, they've booked $100,000 of business. And uh, within six months, they've replaced their previous senior level corporate income. That's happened multiple, multiple, multiple times. Uh, and then fast forward, and those same people now are running million plus dollar consulting businesses. But for others, it can take a little bit longer, right? And I think mm -hmm. it, it really comes down to your mindset. How are you viewing things, but also how much action are you taking? There's no reason why people can't be generating tens of thousands or even $100,000 plus in their first year or so of, of focusing on consulting. One of the things that's, I think, really helpful for people is to understand where others in similar circumstances tend to get stuck in the process of, mm. so in this case of growing their consulting business. What do you see? It's a big question, right? Because people get stuck at different levels, Yeah. right? So at the early stage, going too broad and not getting very clear about who the ideal client mm -hmm. is, that's an area where a lot of people get mm -hmm. stuck. And then they can waste weeks or months just thinking about something, but not actually getting out of the building and, and having conversations. Uh, another area where people get stuck is certainly around their pricing. They're not really focused on or, or they haven't done the work to understand what is effective in creating more value pricing. And that shift of value pricing can unlock a lot of profitability in a business while still providing an exceptional return on investment for the client. I'd say another one too is it's that shift of going from the mindset of doing everything yourself to actually building some sort of a team around you. And many people will wait too long to do that. Something that I heard you mention multiple times is relationships and the importance of relationships and having conversations with people and actually building that. Do you have any pointers around that as far as how people should be thinking about the, the process of building relationships and why is it so important for building a consulting business? You should focus on giving before you try and get. And the more conversations that you have with people, the more insights that you can provide there's no decision maker out there that's saying themselves like I, I can't wait to get an email from a consultant today about their services like nobody thinks like that but when you show up and you actually have something of value to offer whether that is some kind of even you know an executive briefing uh, or you've written an article or maybe you just find a, a piece of content that you think your ideal client would benefit from and you go in and you highlight it and you send it to them you know getting on people's radar and then staying on their radar but doing it not from a place of you trying to get something, but rather you're just giving um, with that longer term mindset, that abundance mindset where you just know if I show up and if I truly provide value to these people that I'm that I'm focusing on um, and I engage with them and I think, but how can I help them? How can I make them better off? Mm -hmm. That almost always will lead to them appreciating you for doing that because most people don't do that. And so you're a breath of fresh air. You're an advisor on their side. Let's talk. You can tell that Michael loves the work that he does. His voice really lights up as soon as he starts talking about building a successful consulting business. Let me recap Michael's four pillar structure for doing just that. The first pillar is getting clear on your ideal client. The second pillar is developing magnetic messaging. The third pillar is creating strategic offers. Pillar number four is revving up your marketing engine. And then an additional critical component of this structure is to shift your pricing to value pricing rather than charging an hourly rate.
Big thanks to Michael for his enthusiastic and grounded advice on using consulting to grow your business. Be sure to download Michael's consulting blueprint where he shows you how to charge premium fees, consistently attract your ideal clients, and tons more, tons more best practices of successful consultants. You can grab your copy of it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Michael. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Michael. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eni, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think, and they're afraid. They were, honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone, and I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at, like, you know, my fears, going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that, that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but... uh, You know, that was definitely a journey. 
I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.